Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for each day we do have, and we're grateful for this day and the excitement that this day holds. We thank you for this journey we have been on with Ruth in a foreign land, figuring out what life each day would bring and how you are part of her story. So Lord, as we continue to discover our own story and, and continue to remember how our stories cross each other, we're thankful for the cross. That Lord lies before us in a way, in a place, in a moment, in a time in which we so desperately need it. So focus us again once more, Lord. Turn us. Quiet us. May it be your voice that's heard and not mine. In your name I pray. Amen. How many of you remember Paul Harvey? Everybody, most everybody, used to love to listen to Paul Harvey's live radio broadcast, and he would often conclude the broadcast with the rest of the story. One day he told the following. It was about Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher, and he had a heart for his kids, especially one kid. And he went to the store, the shoe store in which this kid worked, and he began to witness and to share Christ with him. This child grew up. Dwight Moody to become one of the greatest teachers and preachers ever. Now Dwight Moody became an evangelist and began to share and speak across the world and one of his international speaking times he came to the British Isles. There at the British Isles he was invited to speak at a little church and there was a pastor at the little church by the name of Frederick Meyer. In the sermon that Moody preached at that church, he told about the heart of a man who, who had a Sunday school class, and he had a heart for each of the child in there and shared Christ and led each child there to Christ. This emotionally charged service inspired the preacher there, and the preacher began to become an evangelist just like Moody was. Over the year, Meyer came to America. He came to Northfield, Massachusetts. And a young preacher was there listening to Meyer, and he heard Meyer say this, If you're not willing to give everything up for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? J. Wilbur Chapman responded to the call of God on his life and became one of the greatest evangelists of his times. He had a volunteer by the name of Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday helped him set up all the crusades, organize, get things together, and eventually Billy Sunday took over Chapman's ministry. Well, if you've heard of crusades and ministry, I hope you've heard of Billy Sunday and the thousands of people that came to Christ because of Billy Sunday. One time, Billy Sunday was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and while he was there, he inspired a group of people who wanted to make a difference in Christ in their community. And so they invited Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham to come in 1932 and speak to the city and lead a, a series of crusades there in Charlotte. During one of those crusades in one of those evenings, or many of those evenings, there was a young, lanky, 16-year-old man or boy who heard Mordecai Ham. Night after night, he heard him, and he was drawn to him and drawn to him till one night this young boy came forward and accepted Christ. You know who this young boy was? Billy Graham. And how many thousands of people has Billy Graham shared Christ with and people's lives that have been affected by him? And now you know the rest of the story. Today we finish our five-week series on Ruth on practice.
practicing faithful living. As Kevin said, Ruth finds herself in a foreign land and she's redeemed by Boaz. But what will the rest of her story be? And remember, this isn't just Ruth's story. It's also part of our story. So what will the rest of your story, my story, be? Let's turn to Ruth, the fourth chapter, the last part of Ruth, beginning at verse 13. And I'm going to read through just verses 17. I hope you brought your Bibles with you or devices with you. Let us turn together to God's Word, Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid her, him in her bosom and became his nurse. The woman of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of God for us, the children of God. Thanks be to God. So before we explore the rest of the story of Ruth, I do want to recap of where we've been. And Angela gave a good summary of that, and I will add to what she shared. We began on that day, remember, with Naomi and Elimelech and their two sons, because of a famine, left Judah and headed to Moab. Unfortunately, when they got to Moab, not long after Elimelech, Naomi's husband passed away. The two sons married Moabite woman Orpah and Ruth. And unfortunately, both Orpah and Ruth's son, or excuse me, Orpah and Ruth's husbands passed away. So we do see that Naomi has turned bitter, and I bet Ruth is probably not very happy either in this occasion. And so Naomi is going back to Judah, back to Bethlehem, because the famine is over, but she encourages Orpah and Ruth to go back to Moab. Orpah does, but Ruth we see her commitment to Naomi. Wherever you go, I go. Your God will be my God. And so they venture back to Bethlehem, and it's the barley harvest. In chapter 2, we see that Ruth begins to glean the fields to provide for her and to provide for Naomi. In this provision, they meet Boaz. It's actually Boaz's fields. Boaz is a relative to Naomi and Elimelech, a kinsman. And he shows over kindness and provision for them. We're reminded, too, of God's kindness that is showed to us through the water, the bread, protection, and God taking special notice of us. Naomi goes from bitter to better. And we were challenged at the end of chapter 2 of who are those Naomi's in our life, in our community, that we know to reach out? And who are those Boaz's that we need to offer a word of thanks? As we enter chapter 3, it kind of got a little deeper in this relationship with Boaz. What's going to happen if the grain runs out? What's going to happen when Naomi's gone for Ruth? And so they seek further security for Ruth. We learned about the cloak that is passed over the feet like the wings. And we hear that Boaz agrees to offer that security to Ruth, to redeem Ruth, 
And Ruth seeks that shelter under the wings of Boaz. What a beautiful gesture of love and act of redemption by Boaz. But what a reminder of God's act of love and redemption for us. And then last week we entered chapter 4. Chapter 4, and we focused on that word redemption. Understanding what redemption means and understanding that in order for Boaz to redeem Ruth, there was a closer kinsman who said it was not effective for him or not able to redeem her. And so Boaz agrees, and in front of witnesses and the exchanging of sandals, Boaz agrees to redeem Ruth. We discussed the benefits of redemption, that redemption restores life, is the conception and conceives new life, and bears witness to the truth. So here's where it all got brought us to. Have you asked God to redeem the difficult situations in your life? Have you asked God to redeem the difficult situations in your life? And as Christians, especially now, we cannot live in isolation. I really want us to be clear on redemption before we finish this. And so just a few more words that I have shared with you already. To redeem is to free or rescue by paying a, by paying a price. And it necess necessitates our willingness to submit and obey to the one who's redeemed us. But this is not a burden. It's a blessing. A final definition of redeem was to atone for or to free from the bondage of sin. Exactly what Christ has done for us. Multiple scriptures speak to this. One in the New Testament and one in the Old. 1 Peter 1 verses 18 through 19 you know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. And then see if you recognize these words from Isaiah 43.1. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. Now, an interesting part of this story is that a closer relative to Naomi refuses to redeem Ruth. Do you remember what he said? At, at first he said, sure, I'll redeem her. And then when Boaz shared that Ruth comes along with this, he says, I can't. It's too costly to his inheritance. I've thought about that, and I hadn't really focused on that much in this story. Sure, it's costly to the inheritance of the closer kin, but what about Boaz? What did it cost Boaz? It had to cost Boaz a lot. It had to help or affect his inheritance and his livelihood and his future. But Boaz redeems Ruth and embraces the responsibility. So as we conclude this series, do we embrace our responsibility that we have as Christians as we have been redeemed by Christ? Do we accept the responsibility as redeemed children of God? The cost for us is no longer living our life our way and that we seek to practice faithful living. 
Through Christ, we find that we have a Redeemer who is faithful and true. Through Christ, we discover redemption through the restoration of life and the birth of new life. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. It's through Christ and only through Christ that we have the strength to be His witnesses to the truth that the rest of our story and the rest of someone else's story might cross through Christ. You know, the whole reason we have spent time on Ruth's story and Naomi's story is I do believe that they become our story too. We're in a different land, a different culture, a different time, different traditions, different needs, and different opportunities to practice faithful living. But the commitment, the kindness, the security, and the redemption that we have discovered through Ruth can become part of our story too. For our story is connected through Christ's story. You know it. You know what happens. We've seen at the end that the child Ruth has was Obed. Obed has a son Jesse. Jesse has a son David. And King David is in the direct lineage of Christ. Now we know the rest of Ruth's story. But I don't believe the series can end here. For our story is yet to be written. At least the end of our story. So this morning I ask you the question, what will be the rest of your story? What will be the rest of your story? Will redemption be part of that story? Will those after you be able to witness to your practice of faithful living and the lives that were affected from it? Things started out well for Ruth, I imagine. Naomi, too. You, you talked about that, Angela. Elimelech and Naomi come to town. Their sons marry Moabite women. Ruth is one of those. Life is good. It's a caring family. Tragedy strikes. Ruth's father-in-law has already passed away. Ruth's husband passes away. Ruth's brother-in-law passes away. And she leaves all she has known and finds herself in a foreign land. It's almost like everything was going well and together and in order. And then disorder happens and now she has to reorder her life. And Ruth can't do it on her own. Things were probably pretty good for most of us five months ago, right? In the first of March. Life was going good, especially to now. Things are in order. I mean, we have our own issues and things happening, but basically, especially compared, things are pretty good. And then disorder strikes, a pandemic, and now nothing is done the same way. How will we reorder our lives from here on out? Who will help us? 
Are we trying too hard on our own? Regardless of how bad things may be, a new story is waiting to take hold. One we've not seen, felt, or experienced. In a way, it is like we're in a foreign land. God's calling us as individuals and calling us as a congregation to work with God and others to champion this new story. And who knows who might hear this story and the impact he or she will have. We see the impact it did for Billy Graham and Billy Sunday and Dwight Moody. Maybe. Just maybe it's part of our story too. For our stories are connected through Christ. We know Ruth's story. Does anybody know yours? What will be the rest of your story? What will be the rest of our story? as a community called Emmanuel. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for those who've gone before us, who've laid a foundation in which our stories continue to be connected. From Ruth and Naomi, to David, to Jesus, to today. Thank you for those who've led us to Christ. Thank you for those who've shared Christ. Thank you for those who've lived Christ. Thank you for Christ who has redeemed our hearts and our story. Lord, help us to bear witness to the truth to all we meet. In your name I pray. Amen.